The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krupptich. It's hot in Phoenix, but the Suns are hotter. Ooh, you got that right. On today's episode, we'll talk about the 120 to 114 win over the Clippers in game one. Then we'll touch on Chris Paul. Uh, James Jones bringing home some hardware, and then we'll dive into that game one a little bit more, obviously, and talk about our four keys to beat the Clippers, even though we just did in game one. We'll give you the, the rest for games two through four, we hope. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. Shoutouts are in order for our bet question from last week. Pretty simple question. We were wondering if we'd play the Jazz or the Clippers. So shout out to at Comic Evangelist and Omar at Midcard at Best. Uh, two very dedicated, loyal listeners. We appreciate both of you. Make sure to follow both of them on Twitter. Uh, they both correctly guessed the Clippers, so congratulations. And in between the two of us, I said the Jazz and you said the Clippers, Charlie, so you won. So it is now four to two. I lead four to two. Um, at worst, we for sure have two more bet questions. In all likelihood, we have more than that. But it is not over. And we've decided if there's a tie, we're both going to pay the price. So we're there's a both going to put down some bad beers if we if we end up tying. But I'm definitely glad there's still time for me to come back. And the longer this uh, playoff run goes, the the better chance I have, I'd say. So yeah, let's keep it going. But I'll still take the sweeps, sons. I'll still take the sweeps. We can we can blaze through the series. I'm not opposed to that. Oh yeah, I am totally fine with that. <laughs> All right, so we'll start things off on the the one bit of a sour note I suppose we can have, but Chris Paul still in health and safety protocols. He obviously missed game one. We have no update when it comes to game two, but, and, you know, thankfully we came out of this game with the win without him, but it's apparent that this team could obviously use him. He's been spectacular through the season and having him on the team during the playoffs in those crunch minutes, obviously it's huge. And, the only update we've seen from Paul is a nice little TikTok video with his kids that he got to put out on Father's Day. He looked good. And I mean, that that's really all that we saw. But it was just cool to see him looking good, you know, in a, in a video posted today. So we can hope that he'll be back soon. Yeah. And I think this was expected that he would miss the game. We were all hoping that Jazz Clippers would go to game seven just so whoever won would be more tired. And to give Chris Paul a better chance, we had heard some rumors that 
potentially he wouldn't miss any time if the series started on Tuesday. So I'm imagining we'll have an update pretty soon. And maybe even by the time this episode comes out, we might have an update. So as of Sunday evening, no update. But uh, I don't know. I wouldn't be super shocked if he were able to play on Tuesday. Yep, that'd be great. And I I hope he was asymptomatic throughout this whole thing. And it kind of sounds like he was from the rumblings that we did hear. We don't know how much we can trust any of that stuff. But again... Seeing that video of him today, that's a good sign. Seems like he's looking good. Uh, we just got to hope. And hopefully yeah. hopefully there's, you know, like the whole cardio situation and coming back into shape. I hope there's no effects of that. But Yeah, you know, well, and we, we do know for sure that he's vaccinated. Uh, we did hear a report that he and a few other Suns players were able to get the Pfizer vaccine from the fairgrounds. Um, back in February. So uh, based on that, it's unlikely that he would have really severe symptoms. Um, so I'm thinking he'll be fine and ready to go. It might take him a little bit just to get his legs back under him 100%, but I'm not super concerned about that. He seems to be doing fine. Right, yeah. So let, let's hope for Chris back in game two and then... I'd be shocked if he weren't be, weren't back by game three, but that's just right. that's just obviously my opinion. But yeah. well, while we're on the injury note, let's talk about Kawhi Leonard a little bit. It was stated that he'll be missing the first two games. He didn't even travel to Phoenix for it. But with that, uh, is it a strained or sprained ACL? I don't think we even know. Hmm. Yeah, they they've just said it's an ACL injury. And it might be worse than originally thought. They haven't been very forthcoming with information. Yeah, and you know there were points where it sounded like he might be back for games in that Jazz series. Even, um, I I don't know. It it seems like when you're talking about an ACL, it seems like something you shouldn't be messing up, m- messing with too much. I I for the future and seeing all these other stars that have gone down with injuries. I don't know if the ACL injury is one that you push through to come back. Right. And given Kawhi's injury history with especially like his last season in San Antonio with that really weird different doctors opinions and all of that. I don't, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would want to test that. We know Kawhi is more of those. He's one of those, like he's going to do what's best for him kind of players, you know, wins a championship with the Raptors, doesn't care, leaves. He wants to play in L.A. Um, He had no problem leaving the Spurs after being there for a long time. Um, Some guys are just like that. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing or anything, but given his history, I think it would be surprising to see him try to push this. Yeah, I really think so too. But then if you look at it from – you know, the Clippers standpoint, I mean, he can be the guy who potentially wins them their first Western Conference finals and then a shot at the winning another finals. That would make him a Clipper legend. Yeah, it would. And he's already a Raptors legend and a Spurs legend. So. Right. And yeah, <laughs> Three just, teams. you know, with the he's from California near the area. So I think that'd probably be pretty meaningful to him. 
So yeah. you got to think that that's a motivation factor for him is doing it for the Clippers like this. And who knows what's going to happen next year, though? That's another thing to think about. Right, right. Yeah, and again, seeing the injury, it really didn't look that bad. But that does happen sometimes with these weird ACL injuries where it's on just kind of a fluky play that doesn't look horrible, but then it's really more serious when they look at it uh, on the inside, you know? Yep, for sure. And, well, we, we wish the best to both of these guys. We, we hate seeing uh, guys go down during the playoffs here and then – we also don't like the excuse of, yeah, you coasted through the playoffs because the other team was hurt. I, You know, it's kind of a back and forth when it comes to that. It's an interesting situation in this off season, you know, the quick off season and then back into a long season. It, it's tough going out there for everybody. Just ask LeBron. But yeah, yeah. He let it be known on Twitter. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to ask him. He'll tell you. Yes, yes. All right. Let's move it on. A little better news here. James Jones wins executive of the year. We were waiting for a Suns guy to get some hardware, and here it is. James Jones wins it. I I think he's obviously the most deserving guy in the league, but if you look at the voting stats, he he irked this one out. It was close, but it doesn't matter. He he brought home the, the trophy. It was shocking to me how close it was. But, I mean, he... 100% deserves this. James Jones put this team together. Maybe aside from drafting Devin Booker, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, you have to give McDonough some credit. Um, he got one thing right. Uh, <laughs> he was still there for Aiton and Bridges. He was there for That's that. That's true. That's so forget that. that was a big year. We got to give him credit for that. But then you can say Marquise Chris, Dragon Bender, Josh Jackson. Man, yes. that, that hurts. Tyler Ulis. Um Okay, Davon Reed. Why did we draft Davon? Hey, Reed? that was a second round pick. It, it was. was. You're throwing was. darts at that point. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> Alec Peters. No. Um, James Jones has been a huge part of establishing this new culture, though. He brings in Jay Crowder. Obviously, Chris Paul, the big, the big news. Uh, Abdul Nader, someone who had a you know, a nice little impact during the season. Um, he made the moves that have put this team in the position that they need to be in, guys that fit the culture, high-character guys. And you can tell everyone on this team loves each other. I mean, they are having fun out there. And you see Booker and Aiton FaceTiming Chris Paul as soon as the game ends. I mean, it was even on the broadcast. Booker is coming in from the tunnel and they're showing him, and he's got the phone in his hand talking to Chris Paul. And I saw something very interesting. Someone on Twitter showed a comparison to how uh, Chris Paul and James Harden got along. And this may have just been an isolated incident, but in the example, they're in a huddle at a timeout, and Chris Paul is just kind of talking to Harden and trying to hype him up and seems like he's giving him some feedback and at the end he goes for a fist bump and Harden like slaps his hand away and then Harden decides not to pay attention to the play that Mike D'Antoni's drawn up and like Chris Paul's visibly frustrated and like we don't have any of that no here we have a culture where it's like you accept criticism you can give it you are all trying to get better you're all making each other better it's 
Yeah, it's a, a great culture. It is. And think of it like this. Who on this team is asking for more? More shots, more minutes, and who's making a big deal out of it? Right. Nobody. Oh, wow. I think everybody is just so perfectly fit into their roles. And, you know, just the character of all the guys around, it it's a magical thing. This yeah. has been such a fun Suns team to watch. And we got to see all these building blocks over the last couple of years. But you bring in Monty Williams, and then you bring in Chris Paul. Thanks, James Jones. Both of those hires, I believe, for signings and hires. But yeah, yeah. Just all and, fits together. Right. And, you know, DeAndre Ayton actually was talking about this recently, too, about what it's like for him and for the team to have a head coach and a GM that are both black and doing just the most amazing work in the league. And I think that's pretty cool, too. Oh, yeah, totally. I, I'm i in a position where I'm a Suns fan and a Dolphins fan, and both of those front offices have a black head coach and a black general manager. and they're, I, the Dolphins seem to be on the proper uh, track here. I, I have high hopes for them. And then watching what the Suns have done, I mean, it's so cool. I, I'm glad that yeah. this is uh, – it, it, it makes sense. I mean, it, yes. it truly makes sense. Yes. We don't need to go too deep into that whole thing, but I, it, it just uh, – like these guys all work together so well, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yes. Let's, yeah, he definitely deserves this. Let's talk about maybe the reason why this was a little close. The two things that you can fault James Jones for, and we're going to be a little nitpicky here. The guy just won executive of the year. But the first thing, the Jalen Smith draft, that might be holding things back a little bit. I don't know what front offices say about Jalen Smith or anything like that, but drafting a guy 10 and he doesn't see the court too much. We've talked about him, obviously, but. That's a bit of a strike. I wouldn't fault him on it. We have plenty of time to see what he turns into. But that might be a negative. And then the other, which we talk about, have talked about numerous times, is once we lost Damian Jones, not truly bringing in another big man center and sticking with Dario and Frank. Which, I mean, can we really complain about that at this point? I don't think so. But maybe maybe we'd like to have a big seven-foot monster sitting on the end of the bench for some situation. Right. Those are the only yeah. two things you can yeah. complain about, though. Yes, and they're both very ideal. And, you know, I think about the alternative, which is you try to bring Aaron Baines back as opposed to Kaminsky or or maybe even a Dario. And look at how Aaron Baines played this past year. He was not very good. He fell so, off a cliff. Yeah. So... It's yeah, I don't I don't know if there was a ton more he really could have done. Yep, that's very true. And again, with Jalen Smith, there's plenty of time for him to pan out into a good player. Yeah, that's true. All right. Let's keep things moving and get into this game a little bit. Game one, Suns win 120 to 114. Obviously, the first thing we're going to talk about is the master class that Devin Poker put on display in this game. 40 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists. His first career triple-double coming at the best potential time up until now. Yeah, just a joy to watch. It was, It's what basketball should look like. He, There's one point in the late third, early fourth quarter 
where he hit eight buckets in a row, 16 points in a row. Like, could not miss. No matter what they threw at him, he was hitting everything. And after that, they really decided to trap and double team. And then he, you know, even within the fourth quarter, he was at seven assists. And he picked four more up because they kept trying to trap him. And he kept making the right plays. Everything looked pretty darn easy for him. Especially the later we got into this game, he looked a little frazzled early on. But, I mean, he he really fell into order, though. Just two turnovers on those 11 assists, too, with all those traps. I mean, we're used to seeing Devin Booker toss away five, six turnovers in some right. games. And we right. really don't bat an eye on it at it because he's getting double teamed. And, you know, maybe someone isn't making a good cut to get themselves open or moving to the right spot on the floor. That happens. But in this one, he he knew Chris wasn't there to back him up, and he was taking great care of the ball. Yes, he was. Yeah, I mean, we've been saying it this whole time, and we're only saying it because he's saying it. He was born for this. He's been ready for this. The experience argument obviously does not fit anymore. He has been ready for this from the day he was born. Yeah, and I think we all, us diehard Suns fans who have been watching Booker play, you know, every game of his career, we all knew this was in there. There just was never the the true chance to show it off in front of everybody. But this this is it, man, and look what he does. Uh, I, I know that we're all confident in our Suns team. But heading in there without Chris Paul, we knew this was going to be an entirely different ball game. And just look how this guy stepped up. Taking care of the ball, staying on that subject. Cameron Payne with a solid game, starting in place of Chris Paul. Nine assists in this one. Just one turnover. Ends up going plus 14 for the team, 11 points. Just doing it all, being quick, being pesky. Just doing everything that we need Cam Payne to do. Yeah, Payne did exactly what he needed to do, and we had some Etwan Moore minutes to back him up. That didn't go very well, but that's okay. We were able to run Booker at the point guard uh, when we needed to to give campaign a little bit of a breather, and Payne just did what he does, and he was a little bit out of control at times, but that's kind of how he plays, and that's okay. I mean, he he did exactly what he needed to in this game. I had a pretty good laugh about his technical foul when uh, <laughs> Batum yeah. kind of lowered his shoulder into him. They collided on a screen, and then Batum looked a bit apologetic afterwards, and he kind of had his hand on Payne's hip almost. And Cam wasn't having it. He smacked it out of there and then gets blown for the technical. But I, I hate you know giving the other team a free throw like that. But that attitude has a lot to do with why campaign is where he is right now. Yeah. I mean, you gotta play with that fire if you're a guy like campaign who was out of the league until the bubble last year. You know, right, he right. he's gotta bring that energy every single second he's on the court. So, you know, it it was a little hot headed, but you can excuse that. It, it wasn't a terrible move or anything. No, no, yeah, it it was a little funny though. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of other guys who stepped up, I mean, Mikhail and Jay, 
both solid games. 14 from McHale, 13 from Jay. Uh, McHale, obviously, with a real tough assignment on Paul George, but just seeing all the effort he puts in on the defensive end. And then the just masterful cuts to the basket where he's getting fed and running the break. Man, he's been he's been fun to watch in the playoffs. After the slow start to the Lakers series, he's really gotten it going. Yeah, and even on the broadcast, they were saying Mikael Bridges might be the best cutter in the league. It's like, yeah, we've been watching him all season. Nothing yep. new for us. Like, yep. oh, Jeff Van Gundy, you this is the first Suns game you've watched this season. <laughs> Man, yeah, I'll, I know. I'll save my thoughts on him. Yeah, yeah. And then Jay Crowder, a bit of a struggle to start the game. The threes weren't dropping. And Eddie Johnson says it all the time about him and campaign. If the three's not going, you just need to see one go through the rim. And then uh, maybe they'll start falling after that. And we saw Jay get into the lane, a reverse layup in this one, shot a mid-range jumper, and then the three ball gets going. So just those guys are just trusty to have in our starting lineup. And then Cam Johnson in this one makes a couple threes, plays some great ball, and really stepped up for us on the bench, played twenty, almost uh, 24 and a half minutes in this one. Yeah, 12 points, 5 for 8 shooting, trying to be aggressive. Um, they leave him wide open for threes, and I still don't really know why he, he made him pay. But I love Cam Johnson's willingness to get to the rim. Um and yeah, very much like Jay Crowder. I think, like you were saying, if it's if the three balls not falling, drive to the rim a little bit, um, just make one. And we've seen Cam Johnson with some pretty athletic dunks and stuff. He has yeah. the ability to do that. And I still think he's going to go off at some point. I'm expecting a 25 point game somewhere. I it would not surprise me in the slightest if that were to happen, and especially how we saw them playing defense on us in this first game. Uh, they're they're so worried about the pick and roll, and I will say I was nervous about that without Chris. I was right. thinking, are yeah. we going to be able to get the same opportunities? I know Book's going to be able to get his, but will everyone else? And mm-hmm. obviously, it, it worked out. We we were shooting some wide open threes in this game, and they're going to have to really change up the defensive scheme if they're going to try to. You know, cover Aiton on the roll, worry about Book pulling up or getting into the lane. That backside three-pointer has just been wide open for us. And if they rotate quick enough, there's a guy in the corner too, which is Uh a better shot. Yeah, and it's I think it's frustrating for the Clippers because that's kind of what they try to do to teams too. Not necessarily through the pick and roll, but they like that corner three. you know, one guy is rotating to the wing. They've got the guy in the corner as, like, the second option. And, yeah, it was just, like, a touch overwhelming for them to experience that plus our pick and roll. And Aiden made them play, made them pay in the pick and roll for sure on that roll, getting to the rim, dunking. Yeah, it was nice. Yep. Aiden in this one, 10 for 14 from the floor. A very quiet 20 points, uh, nine rebounds. And watching him dunk just uh, really fires me up after how we've watched him, you know, rely on his finesse game and laying things in a lot over the last couple of years. seems like he wants to punish the rim now in the playoffs, and I'm here for it 100%. Yeah, and 
Aiton has a great opportunity, I think, to just gobble up a lot of rebounds with Batum guarding him potentially, Marcus Morris maybe even guarding him a little bit, uh, Zubots more likely guarding him. And we did see the Clippers come out with Zubots in the starting lineup in the second half. Um, but Aiton can handle every one of the guys on that team. And I think we could see some some pretty high rebounding numbers, which goes into our bet question. So for we're looking at game three, which is going to be on Thursday, and we're wondering how many offensive rebounds will DeAndre Ayton have? And I'm going to go first. Thank you. He had yes, he had <laughs> three in this game, and I'm actually going to say three. I think he's going to just. Stand pat. Three re- three offensive rebounds in game three. <clears throat> All right. So I expect we don't know what the Marcus Morris situation is. Uh, he had I think it was a knee injury. Yeah. Uh, we didn't hear a ton about it. So you can assume that they're gonna have to be throwing in Zubats into the starting lineup, and he will give Aiton a little bit more trouble, but he's not gonna be able to stay in the game the entire time Aiton is. He's just not, I don't think he's anywhere near in condition for that. We see Aiton play 36, 38 minutes and look pretty, pretty fresh out there. I don't know. I I go back and forth. I'm going to go one over you though. I'm going to go four. I'm going to hope he just uh, grabs more than one more than game one. We'll see what happens though. I, I don't like going one over you or one under you, but offensive rebounds is pretty tough. Yeah, it is. But let us know what you think on Twitter at SunnyPHXPod, and whoever is closest will get a shout out on next episode. All right, four keys to continue beating the Clippers. We saw the game one win. Let's talk about a few things that we think need to continue to happen to see us uh, win this series. Mitch, what do you got for the first one? Okay, so the first one is probably the most obvious slow down Paul George as much as possible. He's a great player, and what we did today slowed him down enough. So I'm thinking if we can hold him to the shooting percentage we did today, he was, what, 10 for 26 or so right. shooting. That's If we can keep doing that, then we're going to be good. And, you know, he hit seven threes. He hit, what, seven for 15 from three. Right. I don't think that's going to stand for that long. Like, he's not going to hit seven threes again, hopefully. So if you see 10 for 26 and he makes three or four of those threes instead of seven, then it's it's much different. So limiting Paul George as much as possible, even if it's just like what happened today, or in game one, I should say. Right. I think uh, we did a pretty solid job on him defensively because the majority of his made shots were off-balanced, step-back, sidestepped, one of those. It's never an easy, straight-up shot, it seems like. I think he maybe had one or two of those all game. But otherwise, we do a pretty good job just uh, making things difficult on him. What did he shoot uh, free-throw-wise? Seven for eight. You know, that's going to happen. He He's uh, he's coming off screens all game. He's going to get one of those cheap ones every once in a while. And we saw him pull the 
Chris Paul classic where he gets to the bonus and he's just going to pick up a foul. We saw that happen. So I, I think we play great on him. We got to be aggressive. And something else to think about, once uh, this after AD was out, it seems like we were able to really hone in on how to stop LeBron James during that Lakers series. Right now, the Clippers without Kawhi, the only thing we need to worry about is shutting down Paul George. So I'm interested to see if Monty has anything else up his sleeve to slow him down a little bit more. And, yeah, make Reggie Jackson beat us, who's had the great playoffs. But make someone else do it. Make Terrence Mann go for 40. You know, just don't let it be Paul George. I think we're uh, set up pretty well to do that. Right, exactly. Terrence Mann also had nine points in this game. So we did we did a pretty good job on him after his 39-point game against the Jazz. But, Isn't it funny uh, scoring that many points and then only shooting four times in an entire game, <laughs> like two right? days later? That seems yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah. It actually goes into the next point, though. We have to make sure our rotations on defense are solid, and we got to guard that perimeter because the Clippers love to shoot threes and can make them, and they shoot a lot of them. So we got to be on top of those rotations. I think we did a a good job of that in game one. And, yeah, we just have to continue that. Uh, One interesting takeaway from this, how we were rotating and how we were protecting the rim. Aiton ended up guarding the guy in the corner on the baseline the majority of plays. And it didn't matter who it was. I saw him matched up on man in that situation, Morris sometimes. Pretty much anyone who was not handling the ball, Aiton was the the he was like the free safety. He was back there just uh, waiting to see what was going to go down. Really interesting take. And you know, does he need to guard Batum? No. Does he need to guard Morris? No. We, we can put him out there on anyone, and they can't take advantage of that because he's so quick. So right. I, I really like the how we defended them today. They they did shoot 47 three-pointers, 43% for him almost. I don't know. Do, do we just continue playing defense like this and let them shoot that many threes, or do, you, do we try to run them off? What do you think? Yeah, I, I do think we need to try to run them off a little bit because we saw in that series against the Jazz, the way that they play, they will get back into games. The Jazz blew a couple big leads. That's why the Clippers are here. And, the, the you know, the, the key to blowing big leads like that is letting these teams shoot a lot of threes and make a lot of threes. So, you know, there, there could be a game where they shoot almost 50 threes and make closer to 55% of them, you know, and that's going to be right. very difficult to stop. Yeah, I like the idea of trying to run those guys off and, Funnel him into Aiton. That's yeah. what he's been doing best is protecting the rim. And it's nice to have that. And it's nice to see that they're not taking advantage of Aiton like they did Gobert in the series against the Jazz. Right. Right. Definitely. And speaking of Aiton, Aiton needs to touch the ball. No, Like I said earlier, no one on this team can stop DeAndre Aiton. Now, Kawhi Leonard is a great defender, but he's not playing right now. So especially while Kawhi is out, we need Aiden to touch the ball. And that doesn't necessarily just mean post-ups. It can be like in game one where he's 
rim running where he's getting the ball in the pick and roll, some of those alley-oops. What we did today was good. Totally. I wouldn't even be opposed to a few old school, throw it down into the paint, one quick move and shoot over a guy because he has yeah. that advantage on everybody except Zubats. But, I mean, he can he can work against him. But right. I, I really like the idea of making sure that uh, Aiton is heavily involved no, no matter what. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily want to see him uh, settling for those mid-range jumpers. We saw one turnaround on the baseline in game one. We don't need a ton of that, but just taking advantage of his size down low needs to be a priority for the rest of the yeah. series. Yeah. And that, that mid-range shot he took, I feel like we haven't seen him take one of those in quite a while. No, so. it's very rare compared to even the regular season. Think back to the beginning of the regular season where yeah. I think Monty said, hey, man, 80% of your shots need to be in the paint. 20% can be a jumper from the elbow. And I, he's really held to that since that moment. Yeah. And I don't mind him taking one shot like that. No, and no. He, he was open enough. And, yeah, he missed. But that's not that big of a deal. He played really well. Yep. Yep. And then the bench. The bench is going to be important. We need at least one bench guy to really step up. And I guess you could technically say we had two if you include campaign um but cam johnson 12 points that that's all it takes to step up to put in to have double digit scoring that step that's stepping up enough and we're going to need someone i think every game to to take advantage off the bench totally and watch out for tory craig for that uh spot too he had what did he have in this one eight points eight points two for two from downtown two huge offensive rebounds towards the end of the game when we were trying to run some clock and kind of seal it up. He's been huge for us. And if they're going to go try to run small ball, he's a perfect answer for that situation. I I like having uh, either Aiden or Dario out there for the most part, but if push comes to shove and someone's in foul trouble, I think he's a, a great fit to stop what the Clippers are trying to do. Yeah, definitely. Torrey Craig is... Again, hats off to James Jones, executive of the year, James Jones. That was his doing. Yes, sir. And one one last thing about the bench. Yes. We saw Booker run with them in the spot where Chris usually runs with them. Um, and, I mean, if you look through the plus minus of our bench, Etwan, who struggled a little bit, was the only one in the minus with minus six. But then plus nine for Dario in his visually struggle struggling game in that one <laughs> but then uh plus 14 from cam plus 18 from tory so those guys yeah. hats off to them in this one yeah they did great all right so game two on tuesday game three on thursday we'll probably record sometime after those two so uh be on the lookout for that and then yeah let's move it to the non-sports section of the show so this was inspired by kind of a, a funny discussion we were having before. Um, Kendall Jenner and Devin Booker are dating, obviously, and we don't know a whole lot about that stuff. <laughs> um, we know that Kendall has been going to the games. I think she posts on Instagram. Um, 
we know she's there and she's supporting Devin Booker and we see pictures every once in a while of the two of them together. So it kind of inspired this question. Who is your favorite Kardashian and why? <laughs> All right. Yeah. We're, we're not experts on the subject. I, I can say that I've watched a total of less than one episodes of their uh, Keeping Up With The Kardashians yeah. show. So. Same here. Same All right. Here. I got to give props to Chloe though. Because I just remember all the crazy business that she had to put up with uh, Lamar Odom. I, I remember that was quite the, the duo right there. So, and I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Kim, who obviously was married to Kanye for all those years. Crazy stuff. But, <laughs> and we we briefly talked about this before the show, just bringing up the topic. And the first thing that popped up to my mind was, when Lamar Odom was just recently in a boxing match with uh, Aaron Carter. Aaron Carter. <laughs> like, we saw the Floyd Merriweather versus, uh, is it Jake Paul? J- it's one of the Floyd Paul Mayweather brother? and Jake, what, a, Logan? Logan or Jake two. Paul. Yeah. We saw that weird celebrity boxing match. But then Lamar o- oh, why are they doing this stuff, man? Yeah. So... When we were talking about this before, I mentioned that when when we saw Lamar Odom and Aaron Carter boxing, I thought it was literally like the MTV show Celebrity Deathmatch. And I realized it wasn't claymation and it was real people. But it took me back to a special time where MTV2 was a thing. And you'd watch Celebrity Deathmatch and then afterwards, late at night, it'd be Headbangers Ball. And I <laughs> still love Headbangers Ball. I mean, that show was, like, the reason why I would ever turn it to MTV2, and they'd show it at night and then early in the morning, too, and I'd be like, oh, Headbangers Ball is all nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I, I can definitely see the – I can see that for sure. The thing that it made me think of was, a, like, a really crappy knockoff version of that Punch-Out! Nintendo game. Oh, when you're, yeah. you're the little dude with the brown hair, but this time it's the little blonde dude who's Aaron Carter. <laughs> and then you're just fighting this big monster, Lamar Odom. That was... Like, yeah. Why are they doing that? That was weird. Yeah. That wasn't a good fight at all, either. No, I no, mean, it was bad. I can appreciate if two guys have been actually training some boxing and they're of an equal size and they want to throw down. Whatever, yeah. Throw on some headgear, have a boxing match. Cool. But Lamar Odom had how much reach on the guy? Right. How many pounds? That, that was just so pounds, stupid. Yeah. yeah. How much money did they make from that? I, you Very gotta much. be hurting for a bit of a paycheck if you're doing that. That's all. Right. That's right. That's the takeaway. Yeah. So Chloe is your favorite then? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So I, I guess I kind of have two trains of thought here. What I have seen of their show, well, I, three trains of thought. First off, are we just talking like the core three Kardashian sisters, or does the, does this include Kendall and Kylie? Well, I don't know. Okay. So <laughs> this is my cop out answer. I want to say Kendall because she's dating Devin Booker, but that seems yeah, cheap, cheap to me. Yeah, that seems cheap. So I, I think. I, I'm thinking that 
I want to say Courtney because I know literally nothing about her. Like that's that seems kind of intriguing to me. Like I don't have any reason not to like her. Um, Kim has provided a lot of memes though. What I have seen of that show is just like the context for the Kim Kardashian crying memes and stuff like that. So I might say, no, we're going with Courtney because I don't know anything about her. I have no bias one way or the other. So she can be my favorite. I can get behind that and props to her for staying somewhat out of the limelight throughout all this. I, I guess that's pretty impressive in its own merit there. So yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> Kim is going to be heartbroken, man. Oh, no. Kim. I will say, funny funny story, though. Kim and Kanye, when they were still together, they had a ranch in Cody, Wyoming. So being from Wyoming, that was always kind of funny. And I, I know that the people in Wyoming were not thrilled. <laughs> they, you know, people in Wyoming are very proud of the fact that it's the least populated state and they choose to live there because there's not a lot of people. So any hype like that, they're not going to be big fans of. I, <laughs> so, I hear that. Kind of I, hear that. Connection. Yeah. I wonder, like, when you hear that someone buys a ranch, do they actually keep livestock? Do they hire out a bunch of yeah, guys to take care of it? Or do you just buy a bunch of land and say, yeah, I own a ranch? Yeah, I'm not sure of the context in that situation. I don't really know. Maybe you can call up Donald Trump and they'll get in the steak business together. They can take that back over. <laughs> Trump West Steaks. <laughs> this did not go how I expected it to. Well, here I we mean, are. You're the one that said, let's do who's your favorite Kardashian <laughs> for the non-sports question. And then it goes off the rails and we're going to act surprised now. That's, that's true. Yeah, what, what do I expect? Can't think of a better time to end the episode, though. Hey, we thank you guys for tuning in. Great to see the Suns win game one. We'll hopefully be back with another episode after game three when the Suns are up 3-0. That sounds pretty fantastic. Check us out on social media, at Sunny and PHX Pod, Twitter and Instagram, and we'll see you in the next episode. Go Suns. <laughs>